to preach tonight. I feel like I feel like the, the, the word of the Lord is going to help someone tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from verse 8. I'll go down to verse 12. The Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor, tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. The prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. And then said to Daniel, to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. I want to preach to you tonight on this subject. You don't have to eat what's at the table. Look at your neighbor so you don't have to eat what's at the table. Now I wish you'd lift your hands. Now I wish you'd pray with me right now. Would you do that, Lord? I love you, God. I worship you, God. I'm asking you, God, to help me tonight, God. Minister in this place, God. If there's anybody in this house, God, that has never experienced you, God, and the power of your spirit, God, before this night is over, God, fill them, Lord, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. Clap your hands as loud as you can. As a father, as a pastor, I find myself trying to give an edge to the people that I lead and that I love because we live in a world that is ever-changing. Especially if you live in this world and you are trying to hold fast to values, principles, the word of the Lord. And if you want to understand how you can effectively live in today's changing, ever-changing culture, you really need to read carefully the book of Daniel. Young person, even after this message, uh, if you are struggling going to a, a public high school and living for God, if you are struggling going to college and staying true to the word of the Lord. Uh, I, I challenge you to go read the life of a man named Daniel. Daniel and his friends found themselves living in a world that was radically different than the one that they grew up in back in the land of Israel. 
I feel like there's some elders right now that could probably say, you know, things have changed in a mighty way, Brother Shelton, since uh, I was coming up. I'm not. I'll be 34 this year, and I can tell you that it scares me to death every day that I drop my little girl off. Uh, Brother, Brother McKnight, I pray and I plead the blood of, of Jesus Christ over her and my and both all of my kids, but, but especially the, especially Remy and Lexi Brantley's got just two years left and he's moving out or he's moving out of school and moving in that next stage of life. And then I look at, at Remy and Lexi and I, I can't help but think as much as the world has changed uh, since I was a kid, what is it going to do from this point? And so Daniel found himself in a world that was so radically different than the one that he grew up in. They, they found themselves in a world in which the very fabric of society and faith and morality was vastly different. Can I get a raising of hands in just a moment if you ever see any or hear any news outlet and the leader that's speaking has mighty different values than what you have. I think we can all agree that, that, that when you read or when you see or when you watch the rest of this world, it can sometimes be shell-shocking when you realize that not everybody thinks like I do. Not everybody knows what I do. Not everybody has had the experience that I have had. These, 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 these men, Daniel and his friends, uh, they grew up in a world that believed in the good God of creation, the only God that exists. They, they grew up believing that they should reflect God's glory and honor him through loving one another and being good stewards of his earth. And they believed in, in the one God, Jehovah. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I am in a building right now surrounded by people that believes that God is still God, that Jesus is still the Savior, that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only... But the fact is, we're in the majority tonight, but there are many cases when you walk into the ball gym or you walk down the halls of your university, there are not as many cheerleaders as are here tonight of the name of Jesus. So, so Daniel walks in with all the values that he has, all the principles that he's carrying, all the morals that has been taught and instilled into him. But he's in a place that does not mirror what he is. But let me tell you about Daniel and his friends. They did not let other people's labels define and so when Israel fell into the hands of the Babylonians, everything changed for Daniel and his friends. They lost their land. They lost their homes. They lost their place of worship. They lost their way of life. And all they had was their belief 
in the true God of creation, each other, and hope. But I come to tell you, that was enough. It was enough. I, I want to preach to some young people today that, that you have to have the kind of relationship with God that if everything else leaves, your relationship with God is enough. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to tell you today that if you don't, if it comes a day in your life that maybe God moves you to another region or maybe God puts you in a situation or maybe it wasn't God, maybe it was life and decisions, it places you in a place that you that doesn't resemble this. I come to tell you that what you get and what you have right now with God, it has to be enough. There better not be anything in this world that can pry you away from the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter where I am. Doesn't matter where I go. As long as I've got God, Brother McKnight, that is always enough. Always enough. So Israel fell into the hands of the Babylonians. And it didn't take long for Babylon to try to begin to mold these young minds. Try to begin to develop them in their image, try to sway them and allure them to where they are on the on the moral on the moral pole or or or, or in, in the value area on the thermometer of where we stand or where they stood with what was God and who was God and what we believe and, and where we're going in the future. And so they took these young men and they, it didn't take long at all because they began to try to mold them and allure them. I could see them walking through Babylon and these young men were smart. They were smart. And here's Nebuchadnezzar. And, and in this group, it's the modern day. I mean, it's the New York of its day. It's, it's, the, it's the Rome of its day. I mean, it's, it's Babylon here. And, and it's got all the modern technology. And they're walking them through. And you can see the hanging gardens. And you can see all the neat things and the cool things. And it started with them being given new names, new labels, so to speak. Daniel meant God is my judge, but he was given the name Belshazzar, meaning Bel protect the king. Bel was a Babylonian god, and then they get to Hananiah, and Hananiah meant God is gracious. And they looked at Hananiah, and they said, from this day forward, your name will no longer be Hananiah, but your name will be, uh, we'll change it to Shadaku, meaning the command of Aku, also a Babylonian god. And then they get to Mishael and they said, Mishael, your name means who is like God. But from this day forward, we're going to change your name to Mishaku, meaning the Babylonian mood god. And then they get to Azariah, which means God helps. And, and they change it to Adonibu, with meaning the Babylonian god of wisdom, Nebo. And, and so that is what the Babylonians wanted to name them, but it's not exactly what Daniel wrote down. Because you see, young people, labels only work if you let them. 
You say, I don't know where you come from. I don't know what side of the street that you that you that you woke up on this morning. I don't know who your daddy was or who your mama is, but I come to tell you they may call you an alcoholic, but you don't have to be an alcoholic. I don't know what label they put on you. Uh, they may call you this. They may say that you're going to be this. But I come to tell you and I come to preach to you. Labels mean nothing unless you let them mean something. I come to tell you that God can take nobody and make them somebody for the kingdom of God. I wish somebody preached with me tonight because there's a passion stirring in me letting somebody know that walked in this house with their head held low. I come to tell you that God has a plan. God has a purpose. Don't you let the world tell you what your future's gonna be. I wish somebody make up in their mind that what I walked in here with is not who I'm going to leave being. And you let me go a little further with it because I know this world is trying to put all kind of labels on our young people, all kind of labels on Christians. Well, you, you, you're a bigot or, or you're a hater or you're a homophobe or you're doing this. Let me tell you, if you are standing up for the word of God, let them call you what they want to call you. God is number one. His word is number one. And the only opinion that matters to me is Jesus. So they look at Daniel and they say, Daniel, God is my judge. Your name from here on out will be Belshazzar. So Daniel says, you can call me what you want to. I'm going to write down whatever I want. And so he changes some letters. And so that those reading them would understand that while the Babylonians called them the other names, they would not adopt those names among themselves. So they retained their Hebrew names. For example, example, Daniel's name was supposed to be Belshazzar. But when Daniel begins to write Belshazzar down, instead of writing Belshazzar, he wrote down Belteshazzar, which means Bel does not protect the king. It was Daniel's way saying, you call me whatever you want to, but I came in a child of God and I'm leaving a child of God. You say whatever you want to say, but I walked in a daughter of God and I'm going to leave a daughter of God. I come to tell you right now, I understand we got to have a college education in many ways in this day and hour. I get the diplomas. I get the degrees. You just make sure that when you leave that degree that you still got your Holy Ghost and you still, oh, come on, hear me right now. I don't care what that professor tries to label you as. You say, hey, I came in on fire and I'm going to leave on fire. We live in a world today that is doing its best to put wrong labels on those who truly believe in the Bible, on those who truly believe in holiness and truth. You know what they say? Labels such as self-righteous, fanatic, hypocrite, homophobe, hate mongers, 
Of course, I could go on. There are other labels that we could mention. Whatever label came into your mind, whatever thing you've been called, you go ahead and fill in the blank. But you hear me tonight. I don't care what this world says. Their labels will not sway us from serving God. I believe that there are some young people in the state of Mississippi. I believe there's some young people in the state of Arkansas that's going to rise up and say, hey, I know that all the strategists say in 10 years there won't be no more apostolic. I know what all the scientists say and all the, all the professors say that it's dying down. I come to tell you it's not dying down. It's only getting bigger. It's only getting stronger. It's on. I wish somebody just get a dance in their step right now. The apostolic church is stronger than it's ever been. Don't you believe what the world says. Don't believe what Babylon says. God still has a Daniel. God still has a Hananiah. God still has a church. Even in the middle of all this mess. None of this should take us by surprise. Jesus warned us. He warned us this was going to happen. Mark 13 and 13. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Not maybe you will be hated. It says you will. You will. You shall be hated. The Bible is clear that the spirit of the world will hate us. You don't believe me? I know probably. I don't know if you're at that age yet. You can watch any political debate. You can watch any anchor. You can scroll through some of the articles on social media. You can do all that stuff and then come back and tell me that they are not after the throat, the voice, the influence of the church. I'll, I'll argue with you all day long. Why? There's a spirit in this world, the spirit of the Antichrist, that hates Christians. You say, you shouldn't say that, Brother Corey. It's true. I, I'm not saying it with a mean spirit. I'm not telling us to be bigots. We shouldn't be bigots. I'm telling you, don't wear that label. I'm telling you that when they call you that, instead of responding by backbiting, I'm telling you, love them more than you've ever loved them. Just don't let it stop you from living a holy and godly lifestyle. Don't, we're not a bigot. We love everything. We just like Jesus. We don't like the sin. Sometimes we fall into it. Sometimes we mess up. But we know where our Savior is. And we refuse to bow down to the spirit of this world. We don't. We, we, we can't respond with the same hate. Satan hates us, wants nothing more than for us to adapt to the world's appetites and desires. But we got to stand up like Daniel and say, I refuse to quit living for God no matter where I'm at, no matter how uncomfortable. So, so you ask, what should we do? 
What should we do? We should do what these young men did. They didn't let the, the labels that others wanted to put on them destroy their own image. They didn't let the labels that others wanted to put on them destroy their self-identity. It didn't destroy their faith or their belief system. Just because someone puts a label on you does not mean that's, what, that's who you are. Just because somebody says something bad about your church does not mean it's a bad church. You know what I'm saying? Because see, what's happening is, is the enemy's trying to plant a seed. Because if he can get that seed planted in your mind that maybe, just maybe, that the Pentecostal church in Blue Mountain or, or, or Jesus' name community church or Victory Life or, or, or our Salvation Ministries is not who they say they are, then, then what happens is one by one that spirit, that negative spirit gets in them and all of a sudden everybody's putting that label on the only thing that's going to save this world. But I come to tell you, uh, if you're by yourself, you stand up and say, oh no, that church saved my life. That church saved my family. That church saved my future. You know what carried them? It was their convictions, young. It was their convictions that carried them. You know what we need in this day and hour? If we've ever needed it, we need it in the 21st century church. We need a heavy, y'all hear me? We need a heavy dose of conviction. A heavy dose. Let me tell you something. He walks Daniel and them in, and I'll get to it in just a little bit later, and I'm hurrying, I promise you. But he walks them in, and he sets them down, and he begins to feed them things that, are, that they are not accustomed to. He begins to show them. He's showing them all this stuff. He says, let me tell you right now. Listen to me. You do not have to eat what is at the table, young people. We need a heavy dose of conviction we need somebody to stand up and say, hey, I can't watch that show. Why? It's full of sinful acts. We need somebody to say, hey, I can't go to that place. Why? It convicts my spirit. Oh, let me tell you, this world, Brother Flake, it's, it's seducing us. It's seducing us. It's in our face every hour of the day, every minute of the day. It's seducing us. It's setting back. And it's, it's, it reminds me of John in the book of Revelations. While, while the, Babel, the Babylonian woman sits there, blood running out of her mouth, and she's just seducing. She's, she's alluring. She's, she's sucking him in. And, and that's what's happening in this world because the world will make you think, young person, that you'll be left behind if you don't. Don't do it. But it's a lie. I'll tell you what we need in this generation. We need somebody to go against the grain and have a, let a, a dose of Holy Ghost conviction get a hold of them. And they say, I don't know why. I don't know. It's just something that's not setting well in my spirit. It's something... I'm going to... 
And I feel this. I really believe what I'm preaching right now. Not just preaching for a shout. I really believe this. Because I'm going to tell you, there's some, there's some, there's some things been put in us by our elders, young people, that we better not ever, ever get away from. You hear me right now? Because I'm going to tell you, as soon as we start pushing this conviction, this, that you just keep bumping it out. Just keep bumping it out. There's a reason that it was there. I'm telling you. We keep bumping these things just further and further, further away. When you have kids, it will be so far away that, that I'm telling you, it's going to cause so much havoc in the church that we'll be pressing hard to find a man of God or a woman of God. We need conviction. Conviction. Let me tell you, I remember growing up, I used to hear people use a word so much more than we do now. Because we're going to walk, we're going to walk through this world and survive it. We got to have strong convictions. There just ain't no way through it. There's no way around it. If you are going to make it in this world, you are, and you're going to remain true to what thus saith the word of the Lord. And you're going to make it to your 30, to your 40, to your 50, to your 60. You hear me right now. It's going to be because you've got strong convictions in your life. You hear what I'm saying? We, hear me. We are walking through Babylon. The church is. This modern day world. We are walking through. Through Babylon. Now hear, hear me right now. This is the bad word I'm talking about. This is, this is the word that you don't ever hear and people debate about it and they, they argue about it and they talk about it. But I remember when I was growing up, they used to talk it and say it all the time. They'd use this word all the time. They'd use a, a term, a phrase that, that, that says, and it's, and it's this phrase right here. They would say this, personal convictions. You remember that? Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Don't worry, I'm not going to hit no topics I don't need to hit on. But I remember them using that. I don't, I don't personally preach my personal convictions. I don't think it's my place. You have, a, you have a pastor. I don't preach my personal convictions. I know people get frustrated and, and, and young people get frustrated sometimes and I, they'd say, I wish somebody just get up there and just lay it out. Let me tell you something. The, the man of God, Moses in the Old Testament, the Lord told him, he said, you set the boundary, Moses. Let me tell you, this is not my pulpit. This is Brother Mark Bishop's pulpit. But he even said here, that represents many, many, many uh, congregations. Your pastor sets it. He is the shepherd over your soul. He sets all that stuff. So so, so it, don't get frustrated because I didn't call out your certain topic that you're having trouble with right now. And, and, I, and I didn't do all that. I'm just telling you, just because I don't preach about personal convictions does not mean I don't have any. You hear me right now? And I think it's a scary place to be if you tell me that I don't have any personal convictions. Let me tell you what you ought to say and you ought to have. There ought to be some places that maybe other people go, but you don't go because you have some internal things that nobody else knows about, but you and you yourself set a line. I hope I'm not 
Bishop, you can stop, stop me anytime, Brother McKnight. You stop me anytime. You hear me right now, and I meant that. He can stop me anytime. But you listen to me right now, that every person in this place, that if you're going to walk through Babylon, if you're going to walk through this world, you ain't going to have pastor there sometimes, and he's not going to be able to draw the line for you. There has to be something in your spirit. There has to be a conviction that rises up when you're at the mall or yet you're in late night in your, in your own room and something comes across that screen and you say, oh my God, I cannot look at that. Something is convicting my spirit. I, 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 feel, I feel so, I feel the Lord so strong in this house right now. You hear me? Just because this 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 person goes here, or that person goes there, does not mean that that, that that you're supposed to go there. You need to get on your face and not give your pastor twenty questions. I'm not talking about that. Don't go sit down and say, Pastor, I'm going to ask this. Why? Why? Because you know what this generation does? We want to know how close can we get to the world and still make it to heaven. That's what we want to know. I tell you, that is not what needs to happen. You need to say, hey, am I getting a little close to the world? I don't want it to affect my relationship with God. So, so hear me. Daniel made a big deal over a little thing. You say, oh, Pastor, that ain't a big deal. What's it going to hurt? What's it going to harm? Let me tell you, the only way to go on with God is to be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in the little things. Because there's some things that you knew, it checked you in your spirit, but you still did it anyways. We need to start. If you're going to make it, I'm telling you, if you're going to the universities that we have now, the hallways that you're going to be walking through, you better be willing to make a big deal over a little thing. You better be willing to walk away even if it costs you relationships, even if it costs you friendships. You say, you might ask, Daniel, why, why bring religion into it? Why, why bring why bring all this? But Daniel realized that his relationship with God touched every area of his life, including what he ate. Significantly, the root of sin goes back to eating forbidden fruit. So Daniel said, I know it may sound small, and we may be in an unfamiliar place, but I'm not touching that food, King. That's what you've got to get in your mind. You want to say, how can I make it through this, this ungodly world, this perverse world? How can I make it when most of my friends are not living a holy lifestyle? You've got to do like Daniel did. He made big deals over little things. I'm not telling you to go be the police and tell them what they need to do. I'm telling you, you need to have enough personal conviction in your life that it checks you and you say, look, y'all do whatever you want to. I get it. Y'all have a good time, but I, I got to go. I need to go this way. I'm telling you right now you need to say, world you can put it on the table if you want to. Uh, you can teach it in your classroom if you want to. You can call me that if you want to. But I ain't gotta eat what's at that table. Hear me. 
I'm not preaching against food right now, but what I'm saying is that you ought to have enough Holy Ghost in you that there are some things that you just can't allow yourself to do. There's still some things now, Brother Samuel Leisure, that, that I, I'm not going to tell you. And I don't want you to know. I'm not going to put my stuff on you. I'm not going to put on my, but there's still some things that I haven't even, I don't, there's, that I haven't told. There's things that my brother-in-law, Brother Zach here that's with me right now, he does not know. That I will not, I just don't do it. I don't preach about it. I don't tell nobody about it. I'm not casting my pearl before the swine. I don't go and preach. I don't, I'm not, I'm not self-righteous because you are being self-righteous. I just can't do that because blah, 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 blah. You're doing this thing the whole, the, about the whole wrong way if you're doing it that. What I am saying is a spirit of humility ought to come over you. And you just, you ain't got to tell nobody nothing. You just say, I just, that's not, that's not me. I just, you ain't got to explain nobody. These are some lines that I've drawn. There ought to be enough conviction in you that while you're doing some things, it just convicts you. That's all I'm saying. It just convicts you. Let me ask you, what are you digesting every night? We're going to shout tonight. We're going we're gonna to dance. You're going to be in the altar. You're going to be weeping. I believe all that. But when you go home, what is it that you're turning on your screen? When you put those headphones in and mom and daddy, they're busy and they're tired. They've worked all day. They ain't checking out. What is it that's going into your ear and into your spirit? What is it that you are eating? Every What are you feeding on? What is the devil seduced you with and laid out a table for you that you're feeding on? I feel the whole, I feel like conviction is about to sweep in this place and somebody's gonna get in the altar and you're gonna make some new lines and you're gonna get the Holy Ghost and the power of God is gonna set on you and your family's gonna say, what happened? There's a new anointing on, there's a fresh anointing on them. What is it? What is it that's different? I don't have verses for everything. Your pastor doesn't have verses for everything. First John 4, 1 through 5, or, uh, uh, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit. Some things you need to just step back and say, is this helping me? Everybody wants to know, is this a heaven or hell issue? Tell me, preacher, if I really do this, is this what's going to happen? I don't know. I'm not God. I'm just telling you that if we get up there and we say, he says, you didn't have to do all that, I'm going to say, we still made it. I'm telling you that if you didn't have all this, it may not be a sin for somebody else. They may not, they may can deal it with it in moderation, but you may not be, you never know. Some of you sitting in here, if you were not in an apostolic church, you might be an alcoholic. You might be an adulterer. You might. Do not. What did Paul say? Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. He said, it, it may not be a heaven or hell issue, but, but, but it doesn't benefit me. Does it draw me closer to God? Does it set me up to be more effective in the kingdom? How close am I? What am I going to do? Is it setting me up in my future? Am I going to be a, do a great work? What am I going to do? Let me ask you, when's the last time you felt conviction? When's the last time? 
If it's been a while, then my next question is, when's the last time that you really prayed? I know I'm preaching a long time. I'm trying to hurry, but I'm trying to help somebody right now because if you had not felt conviction, then you probably have not prayed. And Daniel did not object to the name given to him because he knew who he was. And others could call him what they wanted to. Daniel did not object to Babylonian education because he knew what he believed. Daniel did object to the food from the king's table because eating it was a direct disobedience to God's word. Listen to me, young people. You hear me right now. This world ain't getting no better. You hear me? It's not getting any better. But you hear me. The world can call us what they want to. And they can teach us all day long what their doctrine is because we know what we believe. We can sit in their classes. We'll do whatever. We'll we'll, we'll pass the test. We'll do all that stuff. They can teach us whatever they want to, but they cannot make us eat the food. They cannot make me partake in the sin. I believe that God is raising a Daniel generation because this world is looking more and more like Babylon. But there's going to be a church that says you can call me what you want. You can try to teach me what you would like. But I'm not sitting at that table and eating what you put there. You can do whatever you I wish somebody would stand to their feet right now and lift their hands and say, God, dose me with a new conviction. Put more conviction on me than I've ever had. I'm almost finished. The king ordered the menu. You can be seated for just a moment. The world will try to order for you what they think you should have. The king ordered the menu. They didn't order the menu. He said, I'll tell you what you need. And rejecting the menu was rejecting the king and could have resulted in severe punishment. Refusing the food might have branded them as being uncooperative and could have spoiled all the chances of advancement. Many of the other Hebrew youths, they did eat the food, but not Daniel and them. There was a real threat of punishment. Ancient kings were well known for their severe, severe and often sadistic punishments against those who crossed them. And Nebuchadnezzar was capable of great Cruelty. As a matter of fact, there's one king that Nebuchadnezzar took his sons. Let me tell you what it was. This could have been very bad for Daniel. He took his sons in front of this king. You read it in Jeremiah. And he killed the, the, the king's sons in front of, of, in front of him. And immediately after he killed the king's sons, he gouged the king's eyes out because he wanted that to be the last memory that he ever had. And Daniel knew it. But he said, I fear God more than I do you. I have more respect for God than I do you, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar. You hear what I'm telling you right now? You listen to me. You hear me? I don't care how hard it gets, and I know it gets hard because it's been hard for me. I don't care how tough it gets. I know it gets tough because it's been tough for me. But you hear me right now. Don't let them scare you. But fearing you because God will always make a way. And as, 
As long as we got God and each other, the church, Brother Sammy Leisure, is going to prevail. You hear me? I need you, young people. I need you. The Mississippi District needs you. Why? Because Mississippi needs a church. It needs a church. Brother Benji Marshall, I need you. Because all that Daniel had was himself, God, and each other. You can come play softly on the keys if you would. You can stand to your feet right now. Do you hear me right now? I hope that I've helped you. But you listen to me. This generation, my generation, we cannot lose conviction. Can't lose it. I look and we try to match make at the church all the time. I try to, you know, I, I, I try, we try to put this one with that one and we'll say things like, well, this, this personality needs this certain type of personality, Brother Austin Hughes. And we'll, we'll say, I don't know if this personality could, whew, I don't know. They need a strong lead them. And then there's couples that got together because I'm telling you, what you where you're living right now. You, some of you are getting to the place where you're trying to be prepared. You're getting prepared for, for marriage and life and families. So there's one particular couple where I thought, I said, I don't know if they're going to make it or not. He's got a real quiet personality. I don't know if that's what they, what they need. And was I wrong? You know why? Because that young man had strong convictions. person that would I wish you'd come to this altar. 